The purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals. Listeners should consult their health care practitioner before attempting any treatment. Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guests are Joe and Terry Graydon. Joe Graydon has an MS in pharmacology, has lectured at Duke University of California, San Francisco, and the University of North Carolina. And in 2005, he was elected as a fellow of the American Association for the Advancement of Science for his exceptional contribution to the communication of the rational use of pharmaceutical products and an understanding of health issues to the public. He has served as an editorial advisor to Men's Health Newsletter and Prevention Magazine and as an advisory board member of the American Botanical Council. Terry Graydon is a medical anthropologist. Her doctoral research was on health and nutrition in a migrant community in Oaxaca, Mexico. She has taught at Duke University School of Nursing and their Department of Anthropology, is a fellow of the Society of Applied Anthropology, and served on the foundation board of the University of North Carolina School of Nursing. Joe and Terry write the newspaper column, The People's Pharmacy, which has been syndicated nationally since 1978, and hosts The People's Pharmacy radio show, also syndicated to more than 100 radio stations in the United States. They are here today on Health Watch to talk about their book, The People's Pharmacy Home Remedies, Questions and Answers for Your Common Ailments, put out by National Geographic Books. Welcome to Health Watch, Joe and Terry Graydon. It's nice to be with you, Dr. Naiman. So why don't we start with um, the opening of the book. Uh, you talk about uh, food as medicine and how we've lost this age-old approach, an approach that isn't specific only to humans. We see this behavior in some animals as well. Uh, tell us how you use this as an entryway into the home remedy book that you both put out together. Well, everybody has, everybody has to eat. And what we have realized is that you are able to use things that you already have in your pantry, in your kitchen, to, um, to create uh, healing, as long as you know what you're doing. And that's why we have collected these home remedies, so that people will know what to do. Most people think of home remedies as sort of folk medicine, as sometimes just a little bit better than snake oil. But in point of fact, there is a surprising amount of research suggesting that food really is our best medicine, and it goes back to Hippocrates' time. Can you t speak to the format of the Home Remedies book? Um, you you've bro broken it down based on conditions, but there's also a unique uh, question and answer back and forth that happens underneath each uh, health ailment. Exactly right. Um, because I think people really appreciate the questions and answers. And we have been collecting these questions and answering them for a very long time through our newspaper column. So we have uh, no shortage of questions that people have asked about home remedies. Yeah, I mean, if you were to ask what, what are the ones that people are most interested in, you know, it has to do with the things that um, affect the quality of our lives for which we don't have good alternatives. So if you think about arthritis and, uh, you know, the pain of bursitis and the kind of aches and pains that people get as they accumulate birthdays, but also for athletes and people who are active, you know, basically what we've got are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Well, 
the Food and Drug Administration has made it very clear in the last couple of years that NSAIDs not only can be quite damaging to your digestive tract, I think most people are aware of the fact that heartburn and ulcers are potential consequences, but they have cardiovascular complications. So heart attacks and strokes, congestive heart failure are associated with these drugs, and they can come on quite suddenly and quite quickly. So people are going, well, what else can I do? And it turns out there are literally dozens of home remedies, including a lot of foods that have anti-inflammatory properties. And by now I'm sure you've heard about turmeric and its active ingredient curcumin as a powerful anti-inflammatory spice. And there is now lots of research to support that. So there's actually quite a bit of science to support some of these remedies. Well, I, I particularly liked uh, as you go through various conditions from uh, acne and bug bites to coughs, uh, psoriasis, hot flashes, you, you have these little sections on what are, you call your favorite foods and, and going ranking them in terms of foods that have a, an enormous amount of potential health benefits. Um, so let's, let's talk about a couple of those. Uh, you, you mentioned coconut is one, and coconut appears a lot in people with digestive disorders. You, you've accumulated a lot of anecdotal uh, uh, comments from your, your fans and listeners over the years of using coconut for irritable bowel and for inflammatory bowel diseases. Can, can you talk a little bit about Absolutely. coconut? Well, the first, the first hint that we had that coconut might be helpful was from an individual named uh, Donald Agar, who um, lived in western Massachusetts and wrote to us because he had made an important discovery. Donald had Crohn's disease, and Crohn's disease has all kinds of of terrible consequences, but the one that bothered him the most on a day-to-day basis was that he frequently had diarrhea, and it was interfering with his social life. He couldn't go out because he, he wouldn't go anywhere unless he knew exactly how quickly he could get to the bathroom. Donald's wife died, and Donald had to fend for himself. He went grocery shopping. He saw some coconut macaroon cookies, and he thought, oh, you know, that looks good for dessert. He brought them home and discovered that if he ate two coconut macaroon cookies a day, he didn't have the diarrhea. It worked much better for him than Imodium did. And Imodium, of course, is the medication that you would take to stop diarrhea. So he experimented a little bit more and found that if he ate three coconut macaroon cookies, he got constipated. He ran out of cookies. The diarrhea came back. And uh, so he went back to the cookies. It worked just as well. He had a friend who was going through uh, cancer treatment and having trouble with diarrhea as a side effect. So he told the friend. The friend tried it. The friend said it helped him. And Donald said, I've got to let those people know so that they can spread the word around the country, which is exactly what we did. And since that time, and probably that was 15 years ago, uh, we have written about it in our newspaper column. We've talked about it on our radio show. We've heard from hundreds of people. Some say it doesn't work, but the vast majority say it works amazingly well. It doesn't have to be uh, Archway coconut macaroon cookies, which are the kind that, that Donald was using. Uh, but people tell us that shredded coconut works pretty well. They make their own coconut macaroon cookies, and it's a low-cost and, in some cases, surprisingly effective 
way of treating what is otherwise uncontrollable diarrhea. Now, coconut has not been tested in clinical trials, but we have heard from scientists who have studied it and say that it has some very interesting uh, biochemical properties, particularly with respect to the lauric acid and some of the other fatty acids in coconut that we suspect might have an impact on the um, microbial uh, makeup of the gut. Well, and... And to be clear, you do you you do say in the Home Remedies book that this isn't in replacement of of pursuing treatment um, with your primary care physician, but is certainly a, a low risk thing to try uh, in addition to it. Well, we have a mantra on the People's Pharmacy, and that is if it might help and it won't hurt and it doesn't cost very much, it's certainly worth a try. I mean, if you go to your primary care physician and you say, "What can I do for those nighttime leg cramps?" They they wake me up out of a sound sleep. Uh, I'm in agony. I, uh, some, some, some of the stories we hear are, I'm a grown man, and I'm reduced to tears because the pain is so severe. And I think we've all experienced a nighttime leg cramp. Well, the Food and Drug Administration has basically banned quinine. You can't buy it over the counter, and your physician cannot prescribe it uh, for, for leg cramps. They can prescribe it for uh, malaria. The point is that we have collected literally a dozen or more remedies for nighttime leg cramps that some people swear are astonishingly effective. One is a teaspoonful of yellow mustard. Uh, it takes away the cramps usually in less than a minute or two. Now, there are some people who say, yeah, but the last thing I'm going to do is swallow yellow mustard at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Yuck. Now I'll have heartburn. Uh, so then the other alternative is something that is about as inexpensive and safe as any remedy we've ever discovered. And that is actually a preventive remedy. You can put a bar of soap under the bottom sheet near where your legs will be. And for many people, not everybody again, but for many people, that actually works to keep the leg cramps away. Now, your point about working with your primary care physician is very important. Uh, just to go back to the bar of soap, that that was the most mystifying the mis- mystifying uh, suggestion in the book. I think for me, can you explain anything about what what that is actually doing? Well, we actually Maybe. can um, offer a hypothesis. Uh, we had a volatile chemist analyze a bunch of soap, and he said, you know, the ones that are the most popular are ivory and Irish Spring. And they both outgas an ingredient called limonene. And he suspected that limonene, L-I-M-O-N-E-N-E, might have some muscle relaxant properties, sort of an inhaled gas. And then we found an actual research study, actually two of them, by a physician, an anesthesiologist who has subsequently retired, Dr. O, O-U-G-H is the way he spells his name, and he actually demonstrated that SSO, what does that stand for, Terry? Soap-scented oil. So essentially the fragrance in the soap. Yeah, in ivory in particular. And uh, he, he said, you know, when you put a little patch, you know, gauze pad of SSO, saturated gauze over a muscle cramp, whether it's a menstrual cramps or whether it's, uh, you know, something from overworked muscles, it takes away the cramp and the pain very quickly. So there, there actually is, believe it or not, a little science. It's not great. 
And it may not explain it for everyone, and it may not work for everyone, but again, you can't get much cheaper or less toxic than a bar of soap under the bottom sheet near your legs. In case you just tuned in, you're listening to Health Watch, and we're talking today to Joe and Terry Graydon about their book, The People's Pharmacy Home Remedies from National Geographic Books. Uh, another interesting part of the, of your book is uh, the section on diabetes, and there is a little bit of research on different foods and how they potentially blunt a, a blood sugar spike when you're eating. And, and, and a couple of the things that you mentioned were vinegar and cinnamon. Could you talk about those in relationship to blood sugar metabolism? Absolutely. And the research on vinegar has only gotten better and better as we have gone along. So it turns out that um, taking a little bit of vinegar with your meal will prevent the blood sugar from spiking after a meal as it, it, as it normally does and particularly does for people with type 2 diabetes. This is for type 2 diabetes rather than type 1 diabetes. That also prevents the insulin from spiking, and uh, it also helps to control uh, triglycerides, which are made if, the, um, if blood sugar gets, uh, gets too high. So vinegar with a meal is really exceptionally helpful and it turns out that part of the way that seems to be working is that the vinegar is uh, somehow encouraging the muscle cells to take up the glucose without the help of insulin. Is that right, Joe? Yes. And, and this is research that has just come out in the last six weeks. So, you know, anyone who's skeptical, and I would encourage any physician in particular who's skeptical and wants to see hard science, just go to PubMed. And, and look up vinegar and type 2 diabetes, and you will be astonished at the amount of research that has gone into this and the quality of that research. And by the way, there is some evidence to think, suggest that cinnamon may have some benefit as well. Um, oh, there is quite a bit of research on cinnamon also. So I think both of those are um, relatively, relatively solid suggestions. Now, the cinnamon does have a potential toxicity if people really over, overdo on the dose. Well, in, in your section on, on favorite foods, I'm sure a lot of listeners will be happy that you, you put as number one coffee. Can, can you tell us uh, why you are pro-coffee and, and, and what benefits um, can be promised from being a regular coffee drinker? Absolutely. Well, there are so many, I probably can't name them all. But we were just talking about diabetes, and it turns out that people who are regular coffee drinkers are less likely, uh, uh, on an epidemiological basis, so statistically they're less likely to actually develop type 2 diabetes. But there are many, many other conditions that uh, people are less likely to develop if they are regular coffee drinkers. Well, cancer, strokes heart disease. Um, the data on Alzheimer's disease is a little iffy, but there has been some suggestion that coffee drinkers may be less prone to dementia. Uh, you know, the bottom line on coffee is that for most people, as long as they don't, you know, gunk it up with too much sweetener, uh, coffee is probably a very helpful and healthy beverage. It, it certainly will give you a little energy, but it also may have effects on the brain, and clearly, as Terry said, it does appear to have 
an impact on blood sugar and ultimately your risk of type 2 diabetes. And that seems to keep showing up in the literature. So I'm beginning to take that one to the bank. Is there a specific brewing method that is superior? And and is decaf coffee also have some of those benefits? Well, I'd say that decaf does have some of the benefits. It doesn't appear to be exclusively the caffeine. There's a lot of antioxidants. In fact, people get most of their antioxidants from coffee compared to most other things in their diet. And that's partly because Americans drink a lot of coffee and don't eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. But it's also true that coffee does have a lot of antioxidants in it. Now, I would probably discourage people from French press coffee. I know it's very popular. But, you know, in the old days, cowboy coffee, where you just throw a bunch of coffee grounds into a pot and you just let it boil up, and and that, to a certain extent, you know, the modern equivalent is the French press approach, you may be raising cholesterol levels a little bit that way. So we actually prefer a filtered coffee, which will filter out some of the things that may raise cholesterol. Well, one of the areas in the Home Remedy book that was the most fun for me to read was your section on bug bites and and insect stings, because there was such a wide variety of possible things to try. Uh, You mentioned baking soda and vinegar, but you also mentioned meat tenderizer and raw onion. Uh, Can you tell us some of these? Well, there actually are some scientific uh, uh, rationale for both meat tenderizer and for the raw onion. Years ago, Joe contacted Dr. Eric Block, who was a um, chemist at uh, SUNY, I think, um, and his specialty was the chemistry of onions and garlic. What he told us is that after you cut the onion, there is an enzyme in that onion that actually can denature the venom from a bee sting. And so that's why the raw onion works. Now, the um, the meat tenderizer theoretically also is capable of, you know, breaking down the protein that's in that uh, bee venom. Hmm. One of my favorite, and this one is the ultimate cheap remedy for itchy stings, mosquito bites, uh, would be hot water. And, and it sounds a little crazy, like about the last thing you'd want to put on an itchy bug bite. But it turns out that this was written up in a dermatology textbook, I'm guessing 40 or 50 years I would ago. Say a long time ago. long time ago. We put this in our very first People's Pharmacy book, which goes back to 1976. And uh, it turns out that it's amazingly effective. You don't want to use such hot water that it'll burn you, and you don't want to leave it on long enough to burn. So it's about a one- to three-second timeline. Uh, You can use a hot washcloth. You can just get it under hot water. Some people say a hot spoon works really well. You just run the spoon under hot water. But about one to three seconds on the itchy bug bite, it takes away the itch up to four hours by, in essence, deadening the nerves that cause that sensation of itch. Give it a try. You'll be amazed how effective it is. At the end of the book, you you offer a whole bunch of recipes, and they're based on three different diets, the low-carb diet, the DASH diet, and the Mediterranean diet. How did you choose these three, and, and are you partial to one over the others? Well, you know, the data on the da- on well, I won't, I'll let Terry talk about the DASH diet and the low-carb diet, but, you know, the Mediterranean diet has sort of become the go-to diet for everything in large measure because of what's called the PREDIMED study from Spain, 
not only has it been demonstrated to lower cholesterol and reduce the risk of heart attacks and strokes about as well as most prescription medications, but there's now data to suggest it slows or reduces cognitive decline and, most interestingly, in the last several months, reduces the risk of breast cancer rather dramatically. So here is a diet that has been tested extremely well, double-blind in a sense, placebo-controlled, and um, well, I guess it can't be double-blind. You, you, you would know you're getting it, but they supplemented it with an amazing quantity of fatty stuff like you know, olive oil, four tablespoons a day, and or nuts. So the data, the science behind the, the Mediterranean diet is great. Most people actually don't really know what the Mediterranean diet is, and they think it's easy. It's like, I know, I'll have some fettuccine Alfredo. Uh, no, that's not what it is. And it's not just a slab of salmon and some broccoli. Uh, there are a lot of do's and don'ts when it comes to vegetables uh, and the Mediterranean diet. Now, Terry, what about DASH and, and what about low-carb? Well, the DASH diet, like the Mediterranean diet, has an enormous amount of research behind it. And it is effective at uh, lowering blood pressure and at a number of other uh, benefits as well. But blood pressure is where we start because the name DASH stands for Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. And, um, and it has been established beyond the shadow of a doubt that if you follow a DASH diet, you can lower your blood pressure about as well as if you were taking a um, first-line uh, blood pressure medication. So that in itself is very beneficial. I think part of the reason that, um, that both the Mediterranean and the DASH diet have been shown to have so many different benefits is that they're really very similar in some of their uh, essentials. Part of the DASH diet is that you really need to be taking, you need to be eating a lot of vegetables and fruits, and that's the mainstay for the Mediterranean diet as well. And, and then with some of your recipes, you, you've you've included recipes from listeners and followers of your show, um, but you've also included recipes from uh, some esteemed uh, people, Walter Willett, the the researcher, and Tirona yes. Lodog, the the integrative physician. Yeah, uh, that's that add us an, an extra level of authority to some of the some of the things that they're they're offering to the book. But we like to think so. Yes. Yeah, we we have been honored to interview some of the really most interesting health experts in the country, and Dr. Tirona Lodog, of course, is uh, one of the great gurus of both herbal medicine as well as the science behind dietary supplements, and uh, she was very kind to share one of her favorite recipes, as was Dr. Walter Willett, chairman of nutrition at Harvard. So you're, you're quite right. Uh, these folks have been very generous in sharing their favorite recipes with us, and we've shared them with our, with our readers. We also have got a couple of recipes from Dr. Christopher Gardner, who runs the nutrition part of the um, preventive health um, section. I'm forgetting the exact title, but at Stanford University. Hmm. And, and what are some of the of the routines or or health? What are some of the remedies you use in your own routine and health regimens um, that you have a particular uh, affinity towards using in in your own lives? Well, you know, everybody seems to have their own favorite smoothie, so we came up with Joe, Joe's Brain Boosting Smoothie. It has ingredients that you won't find in most other smoothies, including fish oil, which, by the way, you will not taste. It is great. 
It also has uh, the usual frozen banana, but along with that, it has a cup of uh, fresh berries. It's got yogurt. It's got pomegranate or cherry juice, which are essential, along with some protein in the form of pasteurized egg whites, whey powder, and then we often add some ground flaxseed. Uh, it is a wonderful way to start your day. Well, it's interesting. I, I had the the head of the war on cancer in France on about his book on cancer a couple months ago, and, and he drinks pomegranate juice every day. He said it was one of the best researched and most promising things uh, that he had found. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about pomegranate? Well, it is certainly one of our favorite foods. We love pomegranate, and um, there's there's a substantial amount of evidence. Well, first of all, I have to tell you, I love the taste. So, I mean, you don't have to go any further than it tastes great. And if you're very selective at where you buy your pomegranate juice, you can actually get it for a pretty good price. Um, but pomegranate has powerful effects on blood vessel flexibility, just as chocolate does. Not only that, there is data to suggest that pomegranate can help lower LDL cholesterol, which we've all heard is bad for us. It has antiplatelet effects, which means less likely to cause blood clots if you're drinking pomegranate juice. Um, seems to be good for the digestive tract. Uh, you know, you go on and on. I mean, there may even be some pretty substantial anti-cancer effects from pomegranate, which is why um, your French guest was so positive about it. But we're completely in line. We think pomegranate is something that people can benefit every day. Can you point our listeners to uh, any web resources that the two of you have in case they're interested in your your other books and your show and maybe want to sure. purchase the People's uh, Pharmacy Home Remedies? The um, easiest web resource is just peoplespharmacy.com, www.peoplespharmacy.com, without any punctuation except the dots. And um, that will take you to the entire web uh, archive of our Q&As and our uh, blogs and um, lots of good information there, as well as the store where you can find not only this book, but also some uh, uh, informational guides. Any any last thoughts for our listeners who may be venturing into the realm of, of home remedies for the first time? Well, you know, I think the bottom line is let food be your medicine. It, it is surprisingly effective. I mean, just one example would be beets to lower blood pressure. Again, the science is solid. So if you think about what you eat as medicine, you might be able to eliminate or reduce with the supervision of your primary care physician a number of those prescription or over-the-counter medicines that you've been relying on for high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, or aches and pains. Or insomnia. Well, thanks for being on Health Watch today. Thank you. Our pleasure. We were talking today to Joe and Terry Graydon, the author of The People's Pharmacy Home Remedies, Questions and Answers for Your Common Ailments, put out by National Geographic Books. You've been listening to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host.